This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Shane, in a previous podcast, you used the term protect your time, and you mentioned a stop doing list. So I want to talk about those two things a little bit more because both of those things really resonated with me. So you listened to me. I think I should listen to you at least half the time. Nice. So That's good. It's good to know. One of the more liberating moments is when I realize I haven't done a stop doing list in a while and I start a stop doing list. And it really makes you do this sort of checks and balances on protecting your time. There's so many positive outcomes and positive things that can come from a stop doing list. Family time creation. You get more of it. More personal time might come out of that. More work-life balance might come out of that. You might actually come out with, why am I actually doing that thing? Once you write it down, you don't realize how many different things you're doing. At least I don't. I think maybe the precursor to the stop doing list is the what I did list. Because we always make a to-do list, right? I mean, we're to-do list people. You always have your moleskin notebook. I usually have something that's pink because that's me. But I make these to-do lists and I make lists all the time. But what I'll do every once in a while, instead of making a to-do list, is I will spend two or three days making a what I did list. And throughout my day, I'll actually write down, this is what I did. This is what I did. And it shows me, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Like, that's not what you need to be doing. That's not pushing you toward any goal that you're trying to accomplish. We have so many distractions in our society today and so many distractions in our workday. Our phones, I'm terrible at it at times. We fill up the space of time with things and with things that are silly. And I think that a success list or a what I did list is really, really productive because then you can look back and say, did I do what I really should have been doing? And I think about that all the time. Let's not even talk about eight-hour days for a minute. Let's just talk about what's realistic. Let's say that we gave a really honest six hours a day of dedicated, focused work. I would argue that we're not getting that on average across most organizations, most industries, most work environments. Now, some people might argue and say, oh my gosh, I'm spending 80 hours a week trying to start my agency. Are you kidding me? Well, maybe, but what about the intervals of time? What is the actual productive time that you're spending in a week? So here's the statistic on that. Okay. 80% of the total time spent working is spent doing tasks with little to no value. And only 20% is spent doing something of importance for the company. So the Pareto principle comes out again, 80-20 rule. So if that's actually accurate, then that means in a 40-hour week, the standard American work week, then eight hours a week is focused work. Wow. So what are we doing with that other 32 hours? And I would contend that we're doing stuff that we maybe shouldn't be doing. Maybe we're doing silly tasks we don't even understand because we didn't understand how to respectfully go, hey, why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense to me. Now, it might make a lot of sense to the organization that we're doing it that way because it's E&O protection, because it's so many other things. We need the right documentation, whatever. But some of it may not be good. And as a frontline agent, as a frontline CSR doing business, I want to know 
what their world is looking like because I'm not doing that anymore. Agency owners, listen to your frontline people. Frontline people, hey, raise your hand. Do it respectfully, but raise your hand and say, hey, I don't understand why I have to spend these 15 minutes on every customer doing this thing that I don't even understand why we do it. So there's so many things that we can learn from protect your time, stop doing list, what did I do list, because we don't get more time. We're not going to get the time back from yesterday. It's never coming back. There's no shelf life. There's no shelf life for time. The clock is ticking. It's going to continue to tick. (laughs) We can't stop it from ticking. I'm in that season of life where I'm like the empty nest is near and we're going through these quiet panic attacks and we're not really sure like what's next. And we know we're excited on one hand and we're Are we really done with that season? Is it really happening? And you realize you're not getting that time back. You can't stop it. And so I think it's really important that we pay attention to this whole thing. Because you know me, you know that the phrase time management drives me crazy. Because time manages itself. It's the concept of switching from this multi-billion dollar industry of time management products to looking at yourself and managing your priorities. Hold yourself accountable. That's something that maybe we don't do enough, but specifically around running our agencies, agency owners, hold yourself accountable. I can tell you that there are days when I leave and I'm like, what the heck did I do today? And that frustrates me to no end. I just, it does, but it still happens to me still to this day after so many years of understanding that I need to have a stop doing list moment. I need to protect my time better. I need to do a better job. And I still look back on certain days and go, what was that? What just happened? I'll never get that day back. And I just wasted it. That's something that I'm very passionate about. For a new agency owner, how much time should they spend on their business versus in their business? When you're starting out, you're in everything, you're operating, you're doing. The working in the business is going to eat up a significant percentage of your time. You can't help that. It's okay. I think that you have to go in though with, this is not my end game. This is not my future picture. This kind of goes back to the e-myth and writing out your org chart and putting yourself in all those blocks, but never intending that you stay in all those blocks. The cash register has to ring. So you're going to be in your business a little more heavily early on than you are on your business. What you have to be conscious of, which is why, full circle, I love the quit doing or stop doing list is because at some point you have to make sure that you are slowly gravitating yourself to working on your business. I don't know that there's a perfect percentage. I'm going to give the political answer here. I'm not going to give you an exact percentage because for some it might be 50-50. For others, it might be 80% in and 20% on initially. But I think there is this idea that I would rather leave somebody with, which is make sure that there's progress being made, that you're not static with that percentage between day one and day 365, that it's constantly migrating to a heavier on your business versus in your business. How many breaks a day away from your computer, away from clients, stepping back should you take in an eight to nine hour day to have thinking time or have shame time or whatever it is that gives you a break? 
from the insanity? For me, there's natural break, step away times because I'm inside an office. I see people. I talk with people. I have moments of water cooler talk. I have all these things. So for me, it's such a natural, regular part of my day that I'm not going to schedule extra time for step away. For someone like you who works remotely, it's completely different. It's got to be completely different because I take a lunch every day. I'm out in the marketplace. I'm socially connected at lunchtime. I go to a different place to eat. Yes, it costs me money, but it's part of my marketing strategy. It's part of the whole big picture is that I go to lunch somewhere and I don't go to the same place every day. I go to different places every day, although I might repeat it next week. And so I have plenty of step away time. I think our remote staff, our soloist, it needs to be fairly frequent take a lunch, at least some kind of break. I've heard of people doing a timer, work for an hour and then step away for 10, 15 minutes. I don't know what that looks like because I've never done that. You might have something to add there, but it's an interesting thing that our environments today are so different in terms of what all agencies look like out there and whether you're office-based staff or whether you're remote staff or if you're an outside sales producer. If you're an outside sales producer and you're out and about calling on clients, you probably have windshield time that's your break time. How many items are on your to-do list at any one time? The daily list that you keep in front of you. I started a rule a while back of no more than three things on a day which may sound ridiculous to some people because they may have like 10 things on their list that day. It started with this idea that if I accomplish those two things or those three things, then I'm generally having this success built in that, okay, I got those things done. Those are really, really important things today. Now I have to pull that because there's a whole lot more than two things to do. <laughs> I have to pull that from some sort of master list over here that I have that I keep a running ad to. Like I think of things all the time that need to be done. And so I add it over here, but on my daily, it's usually no more than two or three things. So I think one of the biggest hindrances to a successful use of time. And I say this because I'm so incredibly guilty of this. It's, I'm putting myself at the top of this list is perfection paralysis. Absolutely. A lot of people have this problem. Absolutely. As in, you know that I have this challenge. I know you have this challenge, but <laughs> I know a lot of people have this challenge. You are not alone. It's a real issue in terms of productivity. It's a real issue in terms of just driving yourself insane. You can beat yourself over the head with it. You can turn what could be a 30-minute deal into a four-hour deal. I know a lot of people can have this problem around sending an email. I know that sounds so simple to me or so silly in, in some ways, but they will spend hours crafting an email because they want to make sure they don't come across the wrong way. If you're doing that or if you have that problem, pick up the phone because the email is not the right mechanism in most cases. That's why we kind of have this three line rule. If you can't say it in an email in three lines or less, pick up the phone and have a conversation. Looking at tools that we have that are available to us, I use Grammarly and I'm a perfectionist when it comes to grammar and punctuation and spelling. In an email, those are things that are important to me. But one of the things about that particular tool for businesses is it gives you a, this is what this tone is. 
In other words, when you type it, if you're worried about it coming across as harsh or stressful, it actually gives you that at the end of your email. And I will say that's a big time saver. I don't always talk about specific products and promote specific yeah. products. No, that's cool. But I think that's a really great one. So let's talk about organization. Well, this is a learned skill for me that I have come to appreciate. I've been no stranger to give full credit to my spouse on this one. There has to be a baby step taken. If you're not an organized person, you have to do something and then do another thing and then do another thing. And that's kind of been my journey because I was complete chaos for most of my life terribly disorganized. And there's plenty of times still to this day where I'm not organized, but it's something that has become somewhat of a passion of mine because it makes my life simpler. I worked with a gentleman for years who had the tiniest handwriting and he would actually fuss at me because my handwriting was larger. And he would say that I was wasting ink and wasting time because of how large my words were. And then he would give me a sticky note and I'd be like, what in the world does this say? Because I can't even begin to read but um, I was his assistant for, for several years, and he actually ended up putting me in my own office with a door because my space was so unorganized, it drove him crazy. When I think about how far I've come since then, I still don't write in little bitty tiny letters, but my organizational skills have, have grown tremendously since then, so I, I think he would be proud of me. I think this whole idea of everything having its place, being able to find stuff easier. It's sort of this preparation thing. I'm learning and, and continue to learn every day. If everything has its place and I have this system and I stay clean and organized and I clean my space at the end of the day. Now that's something that's new for me. That's something that I'm doing is I'm trying to do this thing where I know this is a little bit morbid, but if I don't make it back tomorrow. What are the people that are going to come into my office? Are they going to be able to find the things that they need to find? Are they going to be able to know where things are? Maybe it's a life stage for me. I don't know, but I'm using that as an exercise. This is one of those things that is forcing me to create a habit. And if I do it enough, then the habit gets formed. And one of my kicks that I'm on right now is a clean desk at the end of the day. And I'm a huge proponent of time blocking, setting up my calendar with what looks like something, you know, this is what I'm going to do in this 30 minute block. This is what I'm going to do in this hour block. I'd be sure to leave myself plenty of open spaces for the unexpected stuff. I think that's one of the things where people go wrong with time blocking is they time block 12 hours of their day. And then they forget that unexpected things are going to happen and then it goes wrong. So when you're looking at time blocking, I find that I consider my day successful if I did 50% of what I set out to do. If I set up my time blocks and 50% of them worked, that is a really great day for me. You know, the way I do that, I go in and I set up all of the meetings and appointments that are already in place. Then I go in and set up, okay, these are the things that are important to me personally. Spending time with my husband, taking a shower, going out with friends, like all of those things get put in my whole entire day. 
And then once those things are filled, then that allows me to put my day where it needs to be. I'm glad that taking a shower is one of your priorities. That's good. Yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, that's a good thing. Even working remotely, that's important. That is important. I do the time blocking as well, but I have to continuously get better at this because I'm one of those individuals that would over time block. I would time block too tight. I would not intentionally create space in there. Which is what I did at the beginning. Yep. And it was really frustrating. And you know, it's like, I did this. I blocked out all this time time on my calendar if eight to five is completely blocked out how come I'm not getting more things done and it's because I didn't create cushion it's the empty space right and now I'm getting better at creating empty space I love time blocking I love that concept another one I heard is a term called habit stacking habit stacking is like you start one thing and then three or four days later, you start the second thing, but you keep doing the first thing. Yes. And then I think it's one of those things that's like, and then you look up in 30 days and you've actually created six new habits because of this habit stacking mechanism. That's interesting to me, makes me feel more productive, but it's something that on the surface makes me think, okay, this could be extremely productive. That's what we're all after. How do we be more productive in the time that we have because we're not getting more time? And so how do we squeeze more out of that without giving up work-life balance? That's the new game I'm playing with myself. I think one of the keys for me to squeezing more time is to not answer emails for the entire eight to nine hour work. Not using email as a messaging system is a really good tool because we've allowed email to become a messaging system, as in a conversational piece. I think that's extremely unproductive. Yeah, I tend to answer emails in three time blocks a day. And it's not ever the first one because if I start my day by answering emails, then I'm going to be chasing rabbits the whole rest of the day. It's really hard to discipline around that because Outlook has become more than an email system. Right. It's our calendar. Some people are using it for tasking. It's integrated with Teams. It's so, so, so much of a thing that is beyond email. Right. Being able to be disciplined around seeing the mail come in and needing to go check it, that's a really difficult thing to do. I didn't say it was easy. You read any time management book and they're going to hammer on email and they're going to talk about not answering emails all day long block out email time. They're going to say that every time management book out there. So the listener that's out there, that's a producer or a soloist agency owner, they're saying there's no way I could ever do that. And the thinking there is because it is probably more of the messaging piece, whether it's a lead, how's the lead coming in? If they're a referral source is sending that in via email, or if they're getting that lead from a lead generation system of some sort, or they bought some leads, all of that stuff's coming in. There's some really cool tools out there available to actually send that into your system, rating system, quoting system. I think it's getting it away from email is one thing to think about trying to do. I understand that it feels overwhelming, but it's going to be that much more overwhelming to not try to organize it around block times or something that fits you. You don't have to do it the way we're talking about doing it, but you have to find something that works for you. And this is something that's so important to work with your team on too, not just to make them more productive, but... I was reading something recently that talked about procrastination rates and the rates of priority management issues and how that leads to shorter employment periods. And so as people start to drown, they start to want to do other things. 
They do, and they think that the grass is greener somewhere else, and but it probably isn't. But the other thing that gets us is procrastination. It's those things that we need to do every day that we don't want to do because they're not fun. And every productivity person, every priority time management person is going to tell you, do the things you don't want to do first. Get it done. Be done with that. Or the flip side of that is if you're not a morning person, do those hardest things in the time of day that your brain works the best. Because there are a lot of people that aren't morning people. And so they're being told that by reading time management books, do the hardest thing in the morning first. Well, then they get so frustrated because their brain's not firing. For some people, it's better to do that at 1130. That's a great point there too. And I'm about to disclose something about myself here when it comes to some of those things that you don't want to do. In some cases, procrastination isn't terrible. Just because somebody sends you an email, especially something that doesn't affect your business directly or not a customer, there's a lot of noise out there that runs at you as an agency owner. There's a ton of noise. And I have been guilty of letting it sit there or deleting it. And if it comes back, then maybe it's important. Why does someone else sending me something need to create a task for me? It's not my responsibility to do that. So I went through this period of life where I just said, "Eh, I'll delete that or I'll delete that block. And if it comes back, it comes back. And maybe I'll look at it the second time. About 90% of those times, they never come back and I never missed them, which was kind of related to the stop doing list. What are the things that I can stop doing (laughs) that is really not impacting my life or I'm not passionate about that I'm not really missing? There's nothing wrong with saying no. I actually had a friend one time that we were on a group call talking about something and one of the girls said do you want to go to the movie Saturday night and she said no and there wasn't a no I have plans (laughs) with so-and-so or no I'm already committed that night or no I'm washing my hair it was just a a no and I actually called her out and I, I said did you just say no you know she goes yeah I just didn't want to and I thought how empowering is that that she is at a place that she's able to just say I don't want to do that I'm finding that to be definitely something that I see in the millennial Gen Z generations. There's some empowerment there. I've overheard some conversations here and there and just aware because of my daughters and their ages and friend groups. And it's like, where's so-and-so? Well, they didn't want to come. Why? Didn't want to. That's so foreign to me. Me too. Honestly. Um, And maybe it is generational. But why? Why are we like that? Why has society reached this point that we have to give some kind of valid explanation? Because if truth be told, what we do is we make something up. So why not just say no? Honesty wins. Honesty wins, right? Why not just because we're so afraid that we're going to hurt their feelings. When in reality, if you don't want to go, don't go. If you don't want to commit to that, don't do it. Here's where we're going off the rails. He's getting his dad voice on. I'm getting my dad voice on. This is this. And I'm going to pick on the Xers. I'm an Xer. So I'm going to pick on us. We say yes. And then we bail. We won't say no. We'll just say yes. And then we just won't show up. That is not good. What would your children say about you? What my children would say is if you commit to it, you honor it and you do it. But don't bail. Don't say you're in and then no show. That's what I've experienced so much of is this lack of commitment in society. And I think that lack of commitment is because we're saying yes to things 
that we really don't want to say yes to, and then we just don't show up. And then the rest of us who were committed to it are going, where are they? They said they were in. They said they were doing this. I haven't seen them. And it's like, yeah, they really didn't want to do this. They just didn't want to hurt our feelings. Why do we do that? We need to quit doing that. I do a Galentine's Day tea party uh, every year and invited a, a lady this year who was an acquaintance and she RSVP'd yes. And the day of the event, she sent me a text that said, hey, I can't make it. I want to go to the beach instead. And the first thought was going back to our core values of, well, honesty wins. wins. She'd rather go to the beach. Okay. Thank you for being honest. (laughs) I appreciate that. I think it's so exciting to think about agents that I'm friends with, the partner agents that we work with. I've learned so much from so many of them that have experienced success, reached a level of success, and taken this all the way to the customer, the prospect. That's so hard to think about doing, but so-and-so said to call you, I've got this thing to insure, and it turns out to be a total mess. And to be empowered as an agent to look at that customer or talk to that customer and say, Hey, this is just not a fit for me. And just be willing to say no and walk away because you're protecting your time because you know you're about to spend hours upon hours trying to find a market for that. Not writing a piece of business and saying no to a piece of business can also be as profitable as writing a piece of business at times and understanding when to say no and how to say no is extremely important. So I'm going to leave us with this quote from Abraham Lincoln. Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening my axe. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.